Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom, it's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. This week will be a little bit more animated than usual. It's episode 436 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham, and I'm so happy to finally be able to share some of the great interviews I did at Comic-Con for Warner Brothers Animation Series, not just on Cartoonito, but on Cartoon Network, HBO Max, and everything like that. So, going to be talking about Wee Baby Bears with the cast, and also going to be talking to some of the amazing creators, Connor Andrade, who's the voice of Grizz on the show. We've got Calvin Wong that's going to be joining me as well. So many great things to talk about for Wee Baby Bears. Also, Craig of the Creek, Philip Solomon, going to join me. He's the voice of Craig and also the supervising directors of the show. We're going to be here. Eric Bowser going to talk about Bugs Bunny Builders with me. Also, Abe Artis and Chandi Park, who is the voice of Lola on the show. And this is a really fun preschool version of Looney Tunes that has a neat little twist to it as well. So going to be talking about that. Also going to give you my review of Cobra Kai Season 5. Yes, spoiler filled, by the way. So just prepare yourself for that. Also going to talk about Cyberpunk Edge Runners and run down everything that happened at D23 as well, since I didn't get a chance to talk to it last week. Going to give you my opinions more than the information on that, because I've got a few things I definitely want to weigh in on. But let's get animated and talk to the cast of Bugs Bunny Builders. We'll do that next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hey, this is voice actor Roger Craig Smith, and you guys are listening, you lucky people, to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. And we're back. I'll talk about anything Looney Tunes at all because I've loved Looney Tunes since I was a kid, since I was a preschooler. Now there's a new preschool Bugs Bunny Builders series. It's on Cartoonito. It's really, really fun. Got showrunner Abe and then Eric, who's the voice of Bugs and Tweety and Daffy and Chandi, who's the voice of Lola. How is everybody doing? Good. How are you, Great. sir? Yes. <laughs> now, I've got a three-year-old son at home, so I'm right, right in there. I've loved Looney Tunes when I was a kid. Why should my three-year-old watch and love this show because we want them to love it as much as you do this is a great it's preschool and you know we really wanted to have this kind of entry point for a younger audience to be exposed to the the brand the looney tunes brand and really bring them in on on a good level this show in particular is great because we not only is it looney tunes and it has that heart and it has that looniness and the wackiness but we do have this educational framework that comes with it. And it's not a ABC one, two, three learning. Uh, it's more about like being a good person and working as a team and all these things that kind of really organically formed with this crew, you know, Bugs and, and Daffy and Lola and Tweety and, and Porky. So that, and they're going to have some awesome toys. <laughs> Always going to have the awesome toys. So thank you for taking my money in a day. Um, but uh, Chani, I want to talk to you about, about Lola a little bit because she's, she's a little bit newer to the Looney Tunes gang than, than, than some of the other characters that we might see on the show. Yeah. How, how did you approach the character and how do you approach the voice for that character for this particular show? Yeah, so she was first introduced in the Space Jam and she still has that same confidence. The integrity of the character is all the same. And now she's running a construction clue along with Bugs and... So she still that has that leadership role. She's the architect. She is sitting there making the plans, and she is just as loony as all of them. So Somebody's <laughs> got to keep the boys in line. I'm just saying. That. And, and, exactly. And she does a very good job with that. <laughs> but talk about that a little bit, because because Eric, this isn't your first foray into Looney Tunes, certainly. How different is it? And actually, for the both of you, how different is it approaching a show like this as opposed to like the new Looney Tunes cartoons that you have, or things like that? Or there is there really no difference at all? What I love so much, being a fan of Looney Tunes and, and seeing all the different versions over the years, whether you're looking at the classics and then anything after that based off of the original material, is that anyone that has ever been hired to run the show or produce or write or direct or tell the story, 
really, they, they do not tamper with who the characters are. They're exactly who they are, the integrity, the personalities, their hang-ups, you know, Daffy's still Daffy, Bugs mm -hmm. is still Bugs, but now they happen to be in business making these, these homes and these properties and these places to live uh, uh, for other characters in the Looney, the Looniverse, I should say now. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and if it's for preschool, it's definitely a story being told for a younger audience, so clarity is key. But Daffy still has his slur and his lift, <laughs> and Bugs still has his uh, Brooklyn Bronx accent. Yeah, it's it's definitely just acted uh, a, a little bit younger, but still the same integrity and personality. Chani, did you find the same? Yes, exactly. Uh, just more clarity, and then also we're we're building things and destroying things along the way and learning. So it's the understanding that we have, the compassion for one another, and and knowing we all make mistakes and we just have to collaborate and work together too. There's plenty of Help those build. and I do love them. <laughs> yes. Abe, I want to talk about yes. someone because obviously you've got a lot of characters that you can play with yes. on this show. You've got your core characters. So how do you decide who comes in to what episodes and when, especially not to like overwhelm it and just automatically, like, well, I've, I've got access to all these characters, so I'm just going to throw them in there. So. What Eric brought up was key is clarity, you know, and for a younger audience, we want to make sure as, as crazy and as loony and, and all this wackiness we're bringing to the show, we want to make sure the younger audience can track what's going on and, and, and follow the builds and stuff like that. So I think bringing in these characters and Warner Brothers has been great with giving us access to play with uh, so many characters. I think we really try to hone in on what character will work best for the build. You know, we have a Taz episode coming up and having Taz in there and what does Taz bring and how does he, how can the crew help him? So we, we try not to overload it. We do have crowd scenes and there's, you know, hopefully everybody can look in there and be hopeful of, of the person, the next build, who they're building for. But I think just keeping it in a simplified version and not overwhelming too many characters in there. I feel like Taz would need a lot of help. Uh, <laughs> I, I would think that yes. you would want to take this I'm just saying, I, that probably wouldn't be a good idea. Yes. I, there's, there's some musical elements in this show, yes. which I think is really, really great, especially for the younger kids. What is that like for you, Eric, and you, Chani, to have to, 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 have to singing in these voices, oh, yeah. getting these voices is hard enough. But singing in these voices, do you, do you like it? Is it one of those, you're going to sweat in the booth kind of moment sort of thing? Uh, you'd think for me being a Filipino in this sense, I'd be good because I have a karaoke machine in my house uh, back in uh, Toronto. I am not the greatest singer, but maybe singing in character helps a little bit. What's crazy is that, again, the godfather of VO, Mel Blanc, was not just a good voice actor, a great actor, great radio personality, he could sing so well. Mm -hmm. And he's so good that even when he makes Bugs Bunny sing off-key, like, la, 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 yeah. You know, like, it's funny, but he's so good at it. And uh, I, I just can't believe I get to sing in, in those character voices. It's it's kind of a, a bit of a dream come true. But yeah, like I, I, some of my favorite old songs that he used to sing were uh, was Someone's rocking my dream boat. Someone's <laughs> invading my dream. So like getting to watch him do that and then incorporate that into Bugs Bunny Builders again we just had a session yesterday where yeah. there's an extension of a very popular song. It's Hard Hat Time. They, whose call was it to extend the song? Do, do you know? Was I it? think kind of just everybody. Wow, we <laughs> so good. want more. It was so good, yeah. It's an album version. It's, it's, it's going to be a single, a, a double album drop, and an NFT. So look out for it. Yeah. Coming to Musical Outlet, everyone. What about you, Chani? Yeah. Oh. Was this one of those things that you were like, yes, this is going to be so much fun? You're yes. like, Because you, oh, yes. I, I don't know why I get the musical vibe off of you, Chani, but I'm getting yeah. it. Yeah. Right oh, these songs are going to be stuck in everybody's heads, and I love it. <laughs> they're, they're incredible songs. I get so excited for our singing sessions because I know they're going to be super catchy and and they tell a story too. So they're really fun they're just all around. I love our singing sessions. Really quickly, I want to go around the room for a second. Favorite build so far that you've been a part of? Of course, no spoilers, but favorite build so far. Daffy has definitely been a, a, a one that has been very vocal for his love of like going fast and always being you know, the fast one and, and, and race car driving and stuff like that is a huge element in some of the episodes. I think maybe maybe one or two episodes, possibly. Anything that involves a racetrack, because, mm -hmm. you know, I got a six-year-old boy at home, and he's like, 
any uh, car episodes? Like, he's all about it. He wants to know. And I'm like, maybe. You just have to watch. the toys there, Dad? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Again, like, even if I, I, I always say, even if I weren't the voices of these characters, I would have every T-shirt, hat, a toy. Even now, yep. especially, yep. even if I weren't a dad, I would have every bit of merchandise from this show because, you know, they're, they're just... They're just that marketable. Yeah. It's not hard. It's it's not rocket science. Yeah. You know, everyone loves Looney Tunes on a shirt or uh, or hanging in the rear view as an air freshener. Yeah. Or a golf club cover. <laughs> uh, you name it, they've been it. Somebody speaking from experience. Hey, yeah. What about you? Really uh, I really like the uh, the water slide, the splash zone episode. I just, uh, I just finished watching that. Yeah. I, for me, just the colors and the water and, and Foghorn, introducing Foghorn yep. in there and having there and his dynamic with Bugs and Bugs just kind of being a little out of element for Bugs, you know, because he's always cool and calm and, calm and having him be like, ah, you know, super excited about this. And and then just the ridiculousness of, of having a slide that goes to the bathrooms and then having <laughs> a snack bar on a slide, it cracks yeah. me up every time I see it. Yeah, the ice cream episode. I love building the ice cream with the gang. And Lola has a little song she sings for Taz in it. I just, I love everything about that episode. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, grab your bowl of ice cream and make sure you're watching Bug yeah. Bunny Builders on Cartoonito. It's an amazing show. Thank you very much to the three of you. I really Thank appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Doc. <laughs> and it's just so, so fun. To get to, I wish to have a smile on my face when I talk about Looney Tunes of any kind and to see them bringing Looney Tunes into this Bugs Bunny Builders series for preschoolers. And now I know that you know I've got a chance to get my kid hooked at an early age on Looney Tunes in this generation, I think is amazing. What they've been able to do with the show is really, really fun. So plenty of episodes that are already available. Make sure you're watching Bugs Bunny Builders on Cartoonito. They've got some full episodes on YouTube as well. However you find it, make sure you do, because I really think you and your kids are going to love this series. Again, thanks to Abe, Eric, and Chandi for joining me at Comic-Con to talk about Bugs Bunny Builders up next. Going to be talking about even more Cartoon Network stuff. We'll talk about we'll talk to the cast of We Baby Bears and the star and creative team behind Craig of the Creek. We'll do that next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hey, this is Kari Walgren, the voice of Haruko in FLCO. And you are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. So much fun stuff on Cartoon Network to talk about, especially here at San Diego Comic-Con this year. I just happen to have the cast of the brand new We Baby Bears. Here are the also I have Philip Solomon who plays Craig on Craig of the Creek and Najah, Deshaun, and everybody. How's everybody doing? Pretty good. Good, yeah. yay! Yeah. Very funky. So uh, I was just I was just talking that this you guys have never done anything together. So what, what's it like kind of meeting each other and it like being one big happy family on both of these shows? Well, I mean, it's, it's been great meeting you guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> These are my new best friends right here. Yeah. And they're I such mean, professionals. And yeah. Yeah. And like I, I was t- just telling you right before this, like I've only seen the bears as like squares on a computer screen. Yeah. I haven't seen the bottom half of Calvin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've seen legs. the bottom half. I didn't half. even know that. Yeah. Uh, but like, yeah. So it's been amazing, and yeah, it's uh, been fun. Amari, Amari crushed it at that quiz. Yeah, we like, like, yeah. like she said she would. I remember yeah. her saying, "I'm gonna win," and then she did. Yeah, oh, she yeah. Did. I like that. She's yeah. confident, yeah. and then went right in there for it. But 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 for for the three of you, I mean, what's it like? Of course, we had the we bear bears, and now we've got baby bears. Were you did you watch the show before that, or did you were you already fans of that, or did you kind of come into this? Not seeing the show. Before. I actually worked on the other show. So. Well, that's right, you did. Yeah, I had that. Yeah. that that's what I had for me. He was so. baby panda. Yeah, yeah. I was baby panda. He, so I just he had my role. And I, 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 I wanted. You I stole her job. <laughs> <laughs> she stole mine. <laughs> no, I, I wanted Ice Bear though. In the old show, I was like Ice Bear. I want to voice Ice Bear, and they were like, No. Wait, yeah. I don't have a voice. Wait, I, I didn't have a voice, though. Yeah. yeah. I, I asked. I asked, but yeah. I was denied. But, they wanted to <laughs> but I did grow up on this show when I was really young. Yeah. I used to grow up. I, like, saw it sometimes when I was at my grandma's because she has cable TV, but we had streaming, so 
I never really saw that much of the show. I didn't really like it. It was okay. But now I'm watching it again. It was pretty good. <laughs> okay, good. You yeah. just you turned that around. You didn't yeah. give another chance. Yeah. Yeah. And then go ahead and do that. Yeah. You know, I'm on the show now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because if you did have the problem with the first show, you would have to talk to me. She's going to set you straight. She's, gonna she's have sitting right straight. next to me. Yeah. So. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you don't want to do anything about sitting right next to you. But, but, but for you for you all, Najah and Deshaun and Philip. Najah, sorry. NAACP award winning show. You've got Glad Awards, stuff like that. Just how, how important has this show been for you all? And did you kind of expect this when you get when you get this thing started? It was nice to hope that it would win awards and things. I don't. I think we just started off wanting to make a funny show and one that had heart and everything. And you know, all the award nominations. Nominations. They were uh, pretty good. I mean, <laughs> well. You know. I did. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I always felt that the show was really special. It's very down to earth, and we've always tried to like make sure to represent what's real, you know, mixed with obviously uh, lots of comedy. And I, I felt like I always felt like that would speak to a lot, a lot of people. And, and those were the types of shows that I liked growing up. So yeah, the funny um, haha is very important. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I always love those like down to earth that speak to kids. You know, those types of shows, and it's it's really important to me because it it. it helps with representation a lot. Um, yeah, what was the, you guys just had that clip kind of go viral for the uh, the black American sign language oh, yeah. thing. What yeah. was the story with that? I mean, sorry. Yeah. No, the, that's yeah, a perfectly I'm, good question. I'm just Let's really curious. I, just, I genuinely <laughs> want to know. Yeah. I think it was uh, one of our uh, board artists had suggested the idea yeah. that uh, the character be like, you know, hard hearing deaf and um, we we're like, oh yeah, let's try and get that going. And we reached out to the uh, African American Sign Language. Like, just we looked That's reached amazing. out for someone to, you know, get some help with that. And we were very working very closely with them to make sure that we conveyed all those emotions perfectly. Yeah, we had lots of uh, meeting Zoom calls with them um, just to make sure that it was coming across the way that it should. Yeah, this posing the storyboard set must have been complicated. Too. Yeah, there was like, a lot sure of everything yes, was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> lots of yeah. revisions yeah. Lots and of, yeah. uh, even <laughs> all the way through post. Um, oh, really? Animation coming back up, making sure that it, it was uh, animated properly. Very, very good job. Cool. Everybody was very like, yeah, we want to make it right. really good, so it wasn't like an issue. Very cool. Yeah. Back to the Bears for Connor and Amari and Max. You, you all had have had some really fun episodes. You have new crayons where things are coming to life, and you know sentient teddy bears and stuff like that. Have you, have you, did you guys have a favorite episode that you worked on? We were like, oh, this is so cool! I can't believe we got to do this. Yeah, but it's kind of the weirdest. What, which them one is it? Was the high baby fashion with all the cats? Oh, I love high baby fashion. Though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the glove worm. Yeah, the uh, a gross worm. That's her yeah, body horror episode. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite was Baby Bear Genius because oh, yeah. first of all, it was about me. <laughs> that doesn't hurt. Be the star. But second of all, it was just really fun to see all the gadgets and gizmos that were in play in that one. And also, the funny thing about the the uh, a gross worm episode, my dad, he's like right over there. Hi. He <laughs> was the worm. He was the slug worm. Yeah. If yeah. You're he was the worm that tried to hear you. Is that man right over there? Yeah. Well done, Dad. Well done. <laughs> Way to keep it in the family. <laughs> I, I mean, for you too, Philip. I mean, you guys have had some fun episodes. That yeah. you've had, you know, the staring contest. Of course, yes. you saw that. I mean, Silver Fist is back too. We'll talk about that here in a second. But what about you? Have you have you had a favorite episode this season? Because you're on your your fourth season now. Ah oh, man, I. I my favorite episode still to this day is the Capture the Flag Wars. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that arc. It's was... just that arc in general. You know what I mean? Of course, season four just gets better and bigger, of sure. course, then season five gets bigger and better. But I'd say, yeah, I'd just say the Capture the Flag arc because like we introduce a lot of characters and part of what makes our show special is that we delve into the stories of many characters other than just our core, you know what I mean? And we're learning about more characters and building interest for other characters, you know what I mean? We're building wor worlds where we can make spin-offs, like, you know, like We Baby Bears, like, yeah. Yeah. there was a world for We Bear Bears to have spin-offs, and yep. we're, we're creating that for ourselves with Jessica and whatnot, so yeah, I think it's just, yeah, Jessica is a big little world, so I'm just glad that there's many episodes like the Capture the Flag where we get to highlight stories of kids that are other than the core three. 
if that makes Absolutely. sense. Absolutely. So, yeah. So I can't help and but think as I'm sitting at this table with all of you wonderful people, and I, I can't help but think of this. I don't know how realistic it is, but if your show's ever crossed paths at some point, <laughs> oh, if you yes. were to have so a some crossover yes. episode, what would that look like? There's some oh. wheeling and dealing on those I golf carts. I saw these two talking about it. Yeah. Amari yeah. and I were leaving. I wonder if I can spell out my idea. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, she's already got ideas. She's already got ideas. <laughs> yeah. Pitch. Pitch the pot. So, okay. Pitch. So what if there was like we would travel to the creek and we had one of the pieces to the heart of the forest or something like that. Mm -hmm. Ooh, and we just found it in a dumpster or something like that. Heart <laughs> <laughs> of the forest. Well, like, this look, this little girl's looking for a job in the writer's room right now. <laughs> <laughs> never mind, never mind. She's Get her in there. Job. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that, that could be very cool. I mean, you guys have got a spare room, right? They need a home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I mean, it might end the show for you guys. Box. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They can live in a box. <laughs> no doubt about it. No doubt about it. But, I mean, especially for, like, we baby bears, what's the longevity of a show you think like this? Is this is this one of those shows you feel like you can just kind of run this thing forever because there's so many... I mean, yeah, obviously, well, you don't want them to look for a home forever, but right. at the same time, is there a longevity here? You think? Yeah, something that drew me to it was that it was, like, really... Free. You, they could go to different worlds every episode. So, I mean, in a way, from a production standpoint, it's a little complicated because you know it's almost like making a pilot every episode. But yeah, I mean, just unlimited potential on where they can go. And I think it's just the perfect blend of action and comedy that I'm really into. So, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, yeah, I feel like it could go for a long time for sure. And also, okay. I wanted to say something. I haven't seen that much of Craig the Creek. Um, like, I've been through some of season one, but that's pretty much it, and I really don't want spoilers, but I have an <laughs> idea for if they ever did a crossover with baby bears, uh -huh. and my crossover idea was that they say there are bears in the creek now, and they're going to eat everyone, and then they show up, and it's us currently stumbling around trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> and, then, like and then Grizz starts eating stuff at the trading tree. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 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 I mean, he raids the trading, trading tree. You yeah. guys figured that all out on the golf cart over here? Or? <laughs> We've no, got future showrunners. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Apparently yes. so. And if this ends up happening, now I'll know how it all happened. Heard your first, folks. Which is awesome. But I mean, Kind of, kind of the same question for you all. I mean, you've already been, you've already done four seasons of the show, but obviously, like he said, with, with your caption flag, you know, it's kind of expanded things a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, what is the longevity in the future of, of Craig of the Creek on, on Cartoon Network and beyond? Um, I mean, I think like what Philip was saying that there's a lot of room because you know we're expanding on different characters and everything. Uh, and the Creek is, you know, the Creek is like this place where kids can have fun and do whatever they want. So there's always room and potential to keep it going. I mean, we already have Jessica's Big Little World mm -hmm. coming out, and, you know, she's getting her own show, and who knows? Uh, um, yeah, we don't uh, actually, like, travel to other worlds, but we kind of do, yeah. in a way, you know? We go into these kids' worlds, um, and they can be anything. So there's always room for, for that to expand uh, as we do introduce more kids, and we go into not only the, their creek lives, but their personal lives as well. Um, so there's just endless possibilities for that. Is, that. is that the beauty of shows like this, though, is that really the world is open to you and you can almost do pretty much anything and, and make yeah. it Absolutely. and make it yeah. be able to fit in there? Yes. yes. I mean, you think you've met everybody in the creek and then they come with more people and then you're all of a sudden you're all hooked on everybody. Like every, everybody's, every, all of my friends who like watch the show and whatnot, like they're telling me about different characters that they connected to, you know what I mean? And that's part of why like the show is like is so special and I think there's so much more to expand on because there's always a, a character for someone you know what I mean we're exploring yeah. new things and there's the, the sky's the limit really yeah. Absolutely. Well, make sure you're watching Craig of the Creek and We Baby Bears on Cartoon Network. Also, you can catch up on pre previous seasons, too, if you want to, on HBO Max. I know that's what my kids are doing right now, so that's, that's something that's really, really great. The amazing cast and creative teams from both Craig of the Creek and We Baby Bears. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Take care. In case you couldn't tell, it is a blast talking to that group, especially, I mean, that those baby bears, they, those kids have got a future. Those kids have got a lot of talent and you you see that when you watch we baby bears it's a completely different show i think from we bear bears but so much fun in so much a different way and craig of the creek i mean especially you go watch and watch capture the flag on hbo max right now that is definitely one of the best 
episodes or at least episode arcs of that show so far for sure. But just so many great things coming to Cartoon Network, so many great animated series that are a part of the Warner Brothers family. I'm so glad that there's so many great things and so much talent involved in that. So thanks to the cast and, of course, the, the showrunners and the creators of We Baby Bears and Craig of the Creek and the stars. Just so much wonderful talent to talk to. Up next, going to talk about Cobra Kai. That's right. Season 5 has dropped on Netflix. Time to give my spoiler-filled review next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, my name is Mary Mauser from Cobra Kai, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Now things have really kicked into high gear. Season 5 of Cobra Kai now streaming on Netflix. And I wanted to wait so I could give, give a review with spoilers. So just be prepared for a lot of Cobra Kai spoilers from here on out. And I got to say that this season really had a little bit of everything and really did kind of take you outside of what we have been seeing from Cobra Kai in the first four seasons. And there's nothing wrong with that either, by the way, what we have been seeing, but like seeing Johnny and Robbie and Miguel in that Mexico trip, especially in the beginning of the season, and then taking Johnny really on a completely different journey. This season, I thought was really, really incredible. And watching Johnny sort of become a family man, but at the same time still stay Johnny. It's like he, he's, he's changed his perspective, but not who he is at his core. And I think that that was something that was really, really important. As he's juggling all of these new life changes, and of course, you see, uh, you know, as the season progresses, we got a new baby on the way. We don't get a whole lot about you know, that in this particular season that hopefully we'll get more about that in the next season, obviously. But watching Johnny's journey for me was really, really cool this season. And to skip ahead a little bit in this in this review, him and Mike Barnes together, I could watch a whole season of that, honestly. Like Mike Barnes and Johnny, you know, they, they have a little bit of tension in the beginning and then they almost realize like they're the same dude. And it's really, really neat how that sort of comes together and, and how they, you know, co- sort of both found perspective with Daniel at the same, at the same time. That was really, really interesting thing. And again, great to see Mike Barnes back too, by the way, especially in the role that he was in, it was limited, but I remember pretty much every Mike Barnes scene from this season of Cobra Kai and that, and that should say something a lot, but I will also say on the more frustrating side, and this is not a bad thing either, by the way, this is not a knock on the show. This is just me talking. This is the season where Daniel finally lost me. This is where, you know, I've always been a Daniel apologist, not, not in Cobra, not just in Cobra Kai, but in Karate Kid over the years, I've always been team LaRusso, but the watching the way, and even Terry Silver even says this during the season, how it was so easy to cause trouble. In his marriage, the way that Daniel just lets Silver manipulate him. And I know Terry Silver, master manipulator. I get it. But some of the stupid, just stupid mistakes that Daniel made to create tension in his marriage, within his family, pretty much in his entire life and getting to pretty much his rock bottom moment in this season was frustrating for me. Like, dude, how do you not? How are you that clouded that you can't see what's going on? But then it's funny how it gets put into perspective later on in this season that, you know, you don't understand what he went through with Terry Silver and the hell that he got put through. Unless you were there, you didn't get to see it, right? So at the so he did lose me early on, and then I think about that and I go, you know, yeah, all right, all right. But at the same time, it was like it was still frustrating 
to watch that happen to him and to watch him basically not do it to himself because Silver was definitely in, involved in a big way, but to watch how that all sort of crumbled so easily was was super, super frustrating for me. But again, Daniel sort of finds his way. And this is also, again, a reminder. As you look at Eagle Fang and Miyagi-Do and Daniel and Johnny, you're sort of reminded of something that we were reminded of last season about how those two very differing, not just styles of karate, but styles of human being can come together and create this cohesiveness and this thing that just really just works, not just in the dojo, but in life. And how you get to take a little bit from each perspective, and it's and it really has helped Daniel and Johnny both. The way that they've both helped each other is incredible. And then you throw Chosen into the mix. And by the way, enjoyed the hell out of Chosen in this season. I'm so glad that we got to see so much of him. And and I mean, he might not have told anybody, but didn't we know how he felt about Kumiko? I mean, come on, come on. It was obvious to me, even in Karate Kid too. And and it's finally, it's nice to finally get that confirmed. Come in Cobra Kai. But I got to be honest, when I thought we lost him there, that that hit me. That really, really hit me. And then I thought, he's going to survive, right? And eventually, hey, I told you there's going to be a lot of spoilers, so don't judge me here. Eventually, he did. So that was good. But for that split second where we thought we'd lost Chosen and he was gone, or Taylor, Terry Silverwood say off the board, that was just, that gutted me a little bit. Because I'm like, no, 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 no. He can't tell Kumiko how he feels and then have this happen. That's not happening. We're not doing this. But watching Chosen Party, him watch reality shows and stuff like that. So it wasn't just him being a part of the team. It was it was those little moments for me. And those little moments are stuff like that that makes Cobra Kai so fun. right? It's that comedic edge the show has to it that I think really sets it apart. And that's one of the things I really love about the show. Not just the great story that they present in general, but that too. It's just it was something that was really, really fun for me. And hey, yeah, you still got it, Chosen. You can when he got to throw down, especially that battle with Terry Silver, might have been one of the best battles of this entire season. Chosen versus Terry Silver was pretty darn incredible. But one of my I think my favorite part of this season, honestly, as far as storytelling goes, was early on when Miguel went to Mexico to find his dad. He finds his dad. And what Miguel had to go through. And that was heartbreaking. It really, really was. But at the same time, watching him go through that. And how, again, you want to talk about change of perspectives. It changed Miguel's whole life and whole outlook. But you almost feel like he needed to go through that, right? He needed to see for himself. Should he have trusted his mom? Sure he should have. Because, you know, especially his mom. Because she just, first of all, loves him to death. Would do anything for him. And doesn't really have, doesn't seem like she has a dishonest bone in her body, honestly. This is a, just a wonderful woman, Carmen is. And you've seen that from the beginning. But at the same time, this is a journey he had to take. I don't think Miguel ever gets over this or ever moves on with a lot of things in his life if he doesn't experience what he experienced with his dad. I mean, would he have mended fences with Robbie? Did Johnny have a lot to do with that? Sure. But can Miguel ever really get past things with Robbie if he didn't do what he did with his dad. What about with Sam? Could he have ever taken the approach that he took with Sam if not for those moments with his dad? I don't know. I don't think so. I think that Miguel would always question a lot of things in his life if he didn't go through what he went through with his dad. Now, it could have gone a lot worse with his dad for sure. But going through that and and seeing that Johnny comes after him, comes down there to get him, again, was a big movement forward for them as well, because think about how things ended last season between the two of them. So Miguel going through all of those things that he went through and the stuff with him and Sam, I mean, typical, almost typical teenage, you know, I don't want to say love triangle. There was a little bit of a hint that Robbie might get involved there, but I like that they sort of pushed that to the side really quickly. It was almost like, okay, we, we're thinking about doing this. Nah, we're not going to do this. Sort of thing. So there's not really a love triangle, but seeing the journey that Miguel and Sam went on as far as their relationship this season and, you know, the ups and downs continued and maybe they're finally in a good place now here at the end of the season. And for Tori and Robbie as well, maybe everybody's going to get their happy ending finally. And again, watching Terry Silver just sort of spread his disease, as it were, across the valley was 
it, it seemed like it, it would happen so quickly, right? It seemed like there'd be nothing that all of a sudden you snap your fingers and he's just expanded exponentially. And it really looked like for a minute there that he wouldn't be stopped. And then you also you think Crease is a good dude. They give you they try and give you the sympathetic villain thing, right? And I admit I fell for it a little bit. So you think Crease is a good dude, and then of course it turns out, again, master manipulator, right? The apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, or the you know, both apples in this case. So the second you look like you got rid of Terry Silver, here comes John Crease waltzing out of prison. This ma- master prison break plan, which I can't believe actually worked, if I'm being honest. But Terry Silver, to me, even though whatever John Crease does in this season, and I know he's going to do something, Terry Silver, to me, now that we've gotten this Cobra Kai story, is always going to be the ultimate Karate Kid villain. Karate Kid, Cobra Kai, whatever. The way that he just manipulated so many, turned so many wholesome kids into ruthless karate assassins and bullies and things like that. The way that he used his money, his mind, and his ability to almost take over the karate world, not just in the Valley, was stunning to me. I mean, I still think that there are times where they weren't going to get past this, that Terry Silver's plan was going to go ahead no matter what they did, that he was just going to get away with it. And he still might, too, by the way, as you've seen in previous seasons, of in this season of Cobra Kai alone. Handcuffs don't mean much, right? Especially this guy's got lawyers and a lot of slick conversation. He could find his way out of this somehow. He even said, that's your evidence? Well, you know, bribing, bribing a judge, a big deal, but, like, will the whole Stingray thing stick? You know, of course, he gets takes back his testimony. Is that going to stick? I don't know if it's going to stick because... Obviously, Stingray can't be trusted. I like that he had his redeeming moment later on in the season. Don't get me wrong. Loved that. But, you know, is this is Terry Silver's incarceration going to stick? I don't know. We're going to have to find that out next season. But there was so many characters got their moments. Stingray got his moment. You've also got Eli slash Hawk. He, he gets his moment for sure. Kenny, you know, the whole thing that happens with, you know, the, almost the downfall of Kenny, right? Especially, you know, he starts, you know, really, really going down the Cobra Kai rabbit hole and really becoming a big time bully and and the tension between him and Robbie. Then you see Kenny get his moment. And then at the end, he's not he's not really ready. Right. To admit that he was wrong. And he's a kid. Yeah. You understand that. And there's a lot of kids that admit they they were wrong. But when those kids take off those Cobra Kai geese and jerseys and things and throw them on Terry Silver. It really felt like the end of Cobra Kai, right? But is it? I don't know. Is John Kreese going to try and resurrect? I don't know how John Kreese can do much of anything because he's still a fugitive, right? So, again, a lot to look forward to in this sixth season. I could talk about this probably for the rest of the show, but, you know, got other stuff that we want to talk about, obviously. But another brilliant season of Cobra Kai in season five. I can only imagine what they've got up their sleeve for season six. That's going to do it for my spoiler-filled review of Season 5 of Cobra Kai from Netflix. Up next, we'll drop a few spoilers and I talk about Cyberpunk Edge Runners, also from, from Netflix. We'll do that next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Adi Shankar, and I'm on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. It's time to get chromed up. The new anime series Cyberpunk Edge Runners is now on Netflix. It's been out for a little bit less than a week now. I'm going to give a spoiler-free review of this, though, because I feel like this is one I don't want to spoil. And the reason for that is is that there's just so much crazy stuff going on in this show that I feel like I'm doing you a disservice if I give you spoilers for this thing because there, there there's some shocking moments. There's some not-so-shocking moments. But really, this show is just, I think, anime at its finest. When I think anime, this is the kind of show that I think of. And and that's, a, that's about as, as good a compliment as I can give really this thing is just so that there's just so much great color and movement and the action sequences are incredible you've also got this really cool x-ray thing that they they do from time to time on the show to show some of the cybernetics and the enhancements and stuff like that of of, of everybody that that's in Night City it's really really neat 
how they put this whole thing together visually. So such a great job done by Netflix and CD Projekt Red and everybody involved with this series. But really the story follows a kid named David Martinez. Now he's gifted and the problem is, is what happens when the gifted kid can't afford the gifted school anymore? I mean, mom's trying her best, but you know, you just, the salary's not matching up with the tuition. Plus then you've got all the, you know, other expenses. And that's the other thing about cyberpunk edge runners. Imagine a world in which microtransactions for games are actually applied to things in real life. It is, it is really microtransaction hell in Night City in in Cyberpunk Edge Runners and I, and if this is the if this is where the world's going I'm going to be upset. I mean I'm going to be upset to the point where I'm going to be like I'm just not going to buy anything cuz like they, imagine that and it's I mean there's you see some of that stuff in the world now but I mean like when you can't even wash your clothes because you didn't get the microtransaction in to be able to finish washing your clothes. I mean come on that's just one of those things where it's like you buy the washer it's your freaking washer it should be able to just work because you bought the thing. You know what I mean? So it's stuff like that. And it's little things. But then, you know, it's it's almost like death by a thousand cuts sort of thing, right? So then you've all of a sudden David has to fend for himself and, and you know, he's he's got all these people after him for money and he's not exactly he doesn't really have a whole lot of friends in this school either. And of course the school is is expensive, so if if he has to fend for himself, it's not like he can afford that. And then slowly but surely it's he starts to kinda hit rock bottom and then he finds Lucy. And he finds the main. And I got to tell you, that is when things really, really start to kick up. And you see him kind of almost take up, I guess mercenary is the best way that I can really think to put it. But it's almost like a you got to do what you got to do to survive. It's like, it's like almost like a Mad Max type scenario, but way, way in the future. But what I really love is, is that this show really dives in to Night City in a way that I don't think the game really did, Cyberpunk 2077. I'm not sure that the game really dove in to this part of the story. And the fact that this 10-episode series actually gets to do that and just shows the poverty and shows the people the people inside the world and inside the city. It's not just this... I don't want to say that Cyberpunk 2077 was a glorified version of the city because it really wasn't. But there really wasn't any focus on what was going on in the inner depths of Night City, and I feel like that's important, but it's also the kind of thing that you can only do in a series like this. I don't know that you could really do that in a game-type scenario, so this is a great way to be able to do that. But, I mean, some of the weapons, some of the enhancements in this thing, it is really next level, man. I mean, it's, it just keeps you it just keeps you guessing, for lack of a better way of putting it. And, and just visually, when you just see these things get brought out, not just the not just the the enhancements, but also just the just raw action of this thing. And this show can be so in your face at times that you're just you feel like you're you're guzzling you know energy drinks and Mountain Dew and from you know double fisted type of thing. This thing is just on speed almost the entire time. It seems like, but mixed in there is this story about you know poverty. And, you know, living life in a world where every little thing has its price sort of thing. And how do you fight back against that? How do you survive in the face of that? And that is what Cyberpunk Edge Runners does so, so well. This is one of those things where I don't think this is going to be a one-off. There's certainly more of this story that I think that they could tell. So if enough fans seem to love this, and, and around the world too, by the way, it's not just here in the U.S., but if enough fans love this thing, I think this is this is something that could certainly continue. And I could go for more Cyberpunk Edge Runners. So hopefully that's exactly what we get. Now streaming on Netflix. I think that you're really, really going to enjoy this one if you go ahead and give it a chance. That's going to do it for my spoiler-free review of Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Up next, recap the happenings of D23. I'll share my thoughts on trailers and announcements and all that stuff. Up next, I'm James Witham, and this is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hi, I'm Simone Missick from Marvel's Luke Cage, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Recapping Disney's biggest event of the year, it's time for Nerd News. D23 was this past weekend. I told you I was going to wait till this week to talk about some of the stuff that happened, and I'm not going to give you a whole bunch of details. You already know those. So I'm just going to run down some of the stuff that came out at D23, and I'm going to start with Marvel Studios. There was a first look 
at Ironheart that was revealed. It was revealed exclusively at D23. Of course, I wasn't there, so I didn't see it. I can't tell you what there was, but I can tell you that from the accounts that I saw, it seems like there's a lot of Civil War connections to this Riri Williams story, which is going to pick up, by the way, right after the events of Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, which will be coming out November the 11th. So we'll get a little bit of Riri Williams there, but it's interesting to me that there seem to be some just very interesting connections to civil war there and and to backtrack to that a little bit and of course there's that you know there's that MIT connection there as well that that's come out recently but i mean i'm not sure that this is going to dive heavy into civil war but at the same time it's interesting that there's already been a couple of connections between this new series and that movie from the which is basically Captain America 3 which seems like forever ago so that's something to keep an eye on. But one of the things that really got me interested was a Marvel Studios special presentation, Werewolf by Night, which is going to be streaming on Disney Plus on October the 7th. Got a trailer for that that they actually released that I actually saw. Now, I never expected Marvel Studios to release a horror movie slash special, yet here we are. I never really thought this Werewolf by Night thing would see the light of day. There were always rumblings. Not only is it real, it's coming in like a couple of weeks. Now, the director for this is Michael Giacchino, who was actually on stage with Kevin Feige. And you've got Gael Garcia Bernal and Laura Donnelly that are going to star in this thing. And as, as the two title, title characters, you want more on that, go to downandnerdypodcast.com also to see the trailer. But i got to say, I mean, this really felt like classic horror vibes. Now, Kevin Feige says it's, it's scary fun or fun scary, however you put it. So I don't think you're talking about like hard R slasher horror thing here, and nor should you really kind of expect that ever from Marvel Studios. But this, again, just feels like a totally different vibe from Marvel, and I really, really love that, especially, you know, hey, get in the Halloween spirit. And if you're going to do it, do it now. And I want this to be successful because I want more weird, out there, outside-of-the-box type, type stuff. I mean, even Man-Thing was in this trailer, for crying out loud. How can you not want weird the weird side of Marvel to come out as well? Like, hey, the MCU is great, but there's other stuff that we can look forward to and other fun stuff that we could do here. So let's make this Werewolf by Night thing successful so we can get more of this stuff. Finally got a trailer for Secret Invasion, but it's still I'm not still sure <laughs> if we know what's going on or what's really happening other than, you know, Maria Hill, Colby Smulders' characters. With, with Nick Fury doing the whole kind of, well, look who finally decided to show up. I've been calling for your help for all this other stuff. There's been shit going down here, and you've just been kind of not answering the phone, and now you finally come and show up for this. And, of course, you know, you got the, the scrolls that are, hey, invading. It's, secret, it's called Secret Invasion for a reason, right? And then you've got Talos, who seems to still be on Fury's side. But then... You've also got all these other characters, right? Like Amelia Clark. I still am not sure what her role in Secret Invasion is going to be. There's still a lot of unknowns about this thing other than basically everybody that's a friend of Nick Fury is in trouble in this thing. Anybody who's ever been connected to Fury seems like they're somewhat in trouble. And Fury's kind of, you know, laying in the weeds and trying to do this whole thing himself very Fury-like. And that frustrates many people. But, but Rhodey's in this thing as well. And we also got a little bit of a tease for Armor Wars. At least the title t- treatment t- tease anyway, D23. And, of course, you've got Don Cheeto who plays Rhodey saying, hey, you're going to see James Rhodes in a completely different light now. He's going to be a very different character. Can't, of course, he can't say much beyond that. But I, th- those are a couple of things we can look forward to on Disney Plus, a couple different series. We've got Loki Season 2, which will be coming in 2023, and that's going to pick up right where Season 1 left off. You've got Hugh Kwan, who's going to be joining the series this season as well. A little bit of talk on, on Echo, but again, not a whole lot other than a special look that was teased at D23. Again, something that we didn't see because we weren't there. But that one's in production now, but what's not in production yet is Daredevil Born Again. The stars were still there. Vincent D'Onofrio showed up. Charlie Cox showed up. Everybody in the crowd was really excited. But Charlie Cox all but confirmed this is a season one Daredevil show, not season four, which I tried to warn you about 
This is not going to be a continuation of what we had before from Daredevil. This is going to be something completely different. Now, you're still going to get Charlie Cox as the title character. You're still going to get Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin. But this is going to be a different show. And that doesn't mean it's going to be worse or better, by the way. It just means it's going to be different. So I think it's kind of like the whole be happy you got the characters, even if it is a different show. You loved them in these roles before. You're probably going to love them again. So just you know, keep that in mind. As far as the MCU movie stuff was concerned, of course, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever going to be coming out on November the 11th. We knew that. Another update that Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania going to be coming out February 17th, 2023. We do know now that can, we have this confirmed that Matt Shackman, who, of course, directed episodes of WandaVision, will be directing the Fantastic Four movie that's going to be coming out on November 8th, 2024. Did you get a cast there? No, we didn't. So just, you know, we're going to have to wait on that. I think let them take the time to iron this out seriously because I don't, if especially if, if John Krasinski is not a lock, give them the time to find out who that lock is. I know that's the fan casting that everybody wants, but let's pump the brakes on that just a little bit, right? Because you never know who might be out there that might also be a good candidate. We also have Captain America New World Order, which they teased a little bit and talked about going to be coming out on May 3rd of 2024. Of course, you know, Anthony Mackie was there to talk about that. And Carl Lumley was there and a few others. We know that that basically what we're going to get to to expect there with Sam Wilson once again taking up the mantle of Captain America. But I'm very curious to know what the tone of that thing is going to be and exactly what path that's going to follow. But they've got a little bit of time to set that up. But the biggest news, I think, was the unveiling of the roster for the Thunderbolts, which is going to be coming out on July 26, 2024. So we know who that's going to be now. Julia Louis-Dreyfus is going to be back as Valentina. You kind of thought that maybe that's what she was doing, putting this team together. So here we go. You've got David Harbour back as Red Guardian. You've got Hannah John Common, who's back as Ghost. Sebastian Stan as Bucky. We've also got Wyatt Russell going to be back as John Walker, U.S. agent. We also know that Jake Schreier is going to be directing this thing. Florence Pugh back is Yelena Belova, by the way, and Olga Kurlienko back as Taskmaster. So now we know which version of Taskmaster we're going to be getting as well. I got to say this is a solid lineup, and I know that fans are like, oh, where's Zemo? We want Baron Zemo. And like, this roster can only be so big, okay? So I don't think that it's a bad thing that there's no Zemo. It would have been nice to have Zemo in there, but I can't argue with any of the names on this list. I think it's a solid list, and how they're going to work together I think is going to be really interesting. Is this kind of like Marvel's version of Suicide Squad? Yeah, I guess you could say it kind of is, right? But with more recognizable names, arguably, top to bottom, more recognizable names. So, especially since we've already seen them in other projects, and you kind of get an idea of who they are, and, and this is arguably a list of names that fans loved anyway, right? Whether it be because of their performances as from the actors or the characters themselves. So again, really, really hard to argue with this list. And I can't wait to see what's going to be coming from this movie on July 26th of 2024. And then of course, a little bit of a tease for the Marvels, which is going to be teaming up Iman Vellani and Brie Larson as Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel, respectively. Tiona Paris is going to be there as Monica Rambeau as well. That This one coming out July 28th, 2023. And basically the tease for this is, you know, how did they become teammates in the first place? And you sort of saw the swap that happened. And that was the kind of end credit teaser for the Miss Marvel series. Hopefully we get a little bit more background on that before we jump right in to the movie. But, you know, you've got one hero that worships another, how do they then become a team and coexist? And is it just going to be instant chemistry? I don't think you can be guaranteed of instant chemistry at all between these two. And it could be maybe a, you know, never meet your heroes type of situation, depending on Captain Marvel's mood. So we'll have to see how that goes because you never really know, right? Moving on to Lucasfilm version of D23 and not a whole lot of super updates 
here, in, you know, of course, they talked about Andor, which is going to be coming up on September 21st. You've got a new trailer for Willow, which is going to be coming out on November 23rd. Bad Batch will be back on January 4th of 2023. You've got Ahsoka to look forward to in 2023. They, may, you know, didn't give us much of an update on Skeleton Crew either. I want to focus on Mandalorian and Star Wars Tales of the Jedi. I actually want to start with that. It's the animated series that's kind of like a six-episode animated short series, and there's going to be... It's prequels, basically, and you've got different looks at different Jedi. you got Ahsoka Tano and Count Doku. Now, this is Count Doku before Count. It's Master Doku, as you see in the trailer, which I think is super, super interesting. Executive producer Dave Filoni going to be a part of this. Kari Beck and Athena Portillo is, is going to be executive producer's for this one as well. And getting to see a look at a young Ahsoka Tano and being trained by Anakin. We see her literally as a baby. So we got baby Ahsoka and this thing too, which I think is really, really great. And then you see Doku and almost like in the trailer, like almost like a warning, like I warned you of the coming darkness. And then how does the darkness eventually overtake him to have him become Count Doku, I think that that's something that should be very interesting in this series. So as much as I love Ahsoka Tano, I don't know that my that my interest lies more in the story of Doku, Doku because we haven't really gotten that up to this point, right? But it's in the same style as Cl The Clone Wars as far as animation is concerned. So already that kind of tugs your Star Wars heartstrings a little bit. So that really got my attention and I think that this one could, could be really, really cool. They say shorts. I don't know how short these shorts are going to be. We won't have to wait too much to find out because that thing's going to be coming out on October the 26th. As far as Mandalorian's concerned, we get a pretty, pretty good teaser for Season 3, which, of course, will be again coming in 2023. I'm guessing late 2023. And it's Mando in full dad mode at this point. And you still get the whole, hey, the armor says you're, you're not a Mandalorian anymore. You took your helmet off. You're out. You're excommunicated. But then all of a sudden you see him with Bo-Katan again. And maybe it's his chance to try and reclaim his right as a Mandalorian or something like that. And is this going to be the fight for Mandalore? We'll have to wait and see how that goes. But I love how Bo-Katan looks at Grogu and says, hey, do you think your dad was the only Mandalorian? And it's like this is the first time you're actually getting people referring to Mando as Grogu's dad. At this point, because they, that is they are full in dad child relationship at this point. And this just looks like it's going to be a an epic battle and be a big adventure for Grogu and Mando and how this all shakes loose at the end of this season. I'm not sure where they're going to go at the end of the season. I kind of had ideas from season one and season two. What would be next? I don't know that I know what will be next for them. So I'm curious to see once we get another trailer how much they're going to reveal. You know that Lucasfilm and everybody, they don't like to reveal too much ahead of things. But where they're going to go with this and what's next for Mando and Grogu, are they just going to be a classic team up now or are they going to be part of a larger picture? That's that We have to be wait and see mode for that. There was also a teaser for Indiana Jones shown. Of course, again, didn't see it. Don't really want to talk about it if I didn't see it myself. But seeing Harrison Ford get emotional on the stage talking about indie to me it's like okay he wouldn't get emotional if it sucked right you see actors come out all the time talking about projects that they're involved in and i'm not saying you know that the in their face that it sucks but at the same time no matter whether or not you think something's good if you're in it you're going to promote the project right or maybe you do believe it's good but i mean harrison ford getting choked up like this this kind of, in a weird way, gives me hope because I don't think Harrison Ford... Harrison Ford's not the kind of guy that gets choked up about everything. So if he gets, if he's this emotionally invested in this new Indiana Jones movie, doesn't this kind of give you more hope than you had before? I think it kind of has to in a weird way. And I'm really hoping that this is a good sign and that they release this footage sometime soon because I'm really, really looking forward to seeing it. Quickly, I want to run down some of the highlights of some of the other things that were happening at D23. Of course, I wanted to get to the Little Mermaid teaser trailer that they released at the event. Of course, that movie coming in May of 2023 to theaters. And again, we really didn't get much other than the look at how this live action movie is going to be presented. 
And what we really did get is Halle Bailey and a first look at her as Ariel. And we get to see hear her singing Part of Your World, which is, you know, always good. And she's got some pipes. There's no doubt about that. But the little bit we got to see, visually, you know this movie is going to be stunning. I actually think that Halle's going to do a good job in the role. The rest of it, we have no idea. We have no idea what Melissa McCarthy is going to look like as Ursula. We have no idea what Javier Bardem is going to be, how he's going to be as Triton. We do know that you get songs by Alan Menken and Lin-Manuel Miranda. That has to give you some confidence if you're a Little Mermaid fan going forward. We also know we're going to get Mufasa, The Lion King in 2023. Actually, that won't be until 2024. That is going to be a prequel of The Lion King, which is going to focus on Mufasa. The live-action version of Snow White, which you think, man, maybe we've seen that before, but Rachel Zegler is going to be in the title role. Gal Gadot as the the stepmother, the queen. Really, really has me interested. I can't wait to see her in a more villainous role. And Let's see how they take, maybe if they take a different angle on that. Speaking of different angles, if you go to the if you go back to a little bit of the series side, you've also got Peter and Wendy, which you think okay, another Peter Pan, do we need do we need that? But Peter Pan and Wendy's actually going to go more from Wendy's perspective, and Ever Anderson is going to be playing Wendy in this particular role, and Jude Law's Captain Hook has me interested too. But the fact that this is going to focus more on Wendy, which is something we haven't really seen, at least done by Disney up to this point, that is why this could be a little bit different and could have my interest. This will be coming out again in 2023, and that one on Disney+. And then you look at the trailer for Disenchanted. Now, this is the sequel to Enchanted. You've got Giselle and Robert. They're starting their new life together. They're in suburbia. They've got kids. And now they're in a fixer-upper. Now you put a fairy tale princess in a fixer-upper. And, you know, she tries to put a, a good spin on it. And then she kind of gets convinced that, you know, she's, you know, there's magic. You got to spruce it up a little bit, right? And then in the sprucing, you start to see her kind of take this wicked turn a little bit. And I think that this could actually make that movie more fun. If I'm being honest. I'm more interested in this after seeing the trailer than I was at face value. So this taking this different angle and, you know, how are things going to end up for her in the end? And what's Robert's response to all this? And of course, her family's response to all of this who come to visit her and, and, and things like that in this new suburban world. So and Maya Rudolph looks like she's going to be doing a very, very good job as the villain in this whole thing and kind of the evil influence over Giselle as it were. And, you know, of course, Amy Adams back, Patrick Dempsey's back. I'm 10 times more interested in this than I was at first now that I've seen this trailer. So that one surprised me. Also wanted to mention Haunted Mansion going to be coming in 2023 as well. We know that's going to be one of the theatrical releases. Very interested in Win or Lose, which is going to be the new Pixar. It's the first ever long form series from Pixar. And it's going to follow Pickles, who's kind of a co-ed middle school softball team, and in the weeks leading up to their championship game. And each episode takes place the same week. And there's all kinds of different main characters and players and their parents and umpires and things like that. I think that this one could be really fun. And finally getting a a good long-form Disney, excuse me, Pixar series, I think will be interesting. We do know that we're going to get Inside Out too. There was also a little bit of tight teases for Elio and Elemental as well. Elemental going to be the next Pixar movie, which will be coming out on June 16th of 2023. So the long and the short of it, really, a lot to be excited about from Disney and all of the Disney, separate Disney companies and things like that. And just as far as D23 is concerned, I, again, it should be no surprise, a huge win for Disney. This is their way to showcase all of their amazing things. But at the same time, it's not like they held anything back at Comic-Con or other recent events or anything to be able to do this at D23. They just knew they had so much that they could talk about and stuff that they could get fans excited about at each turn. Just a wonderful job overall. Really, really happy with the way D23 turned out. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Again, thanks to my amazing guests, from Bugs Bunny Builders, Craig of the Creek, and We Baby Bears. Make sure you're watching those on Cartoonito, Cartoon Network, and HBO Max. 
Also, make sure you follow us at downandnerdypodcast.com on social media as well at downandnerdy757 on Twitter and Instagram, at downandnerdy on Facebook, at downandnerdypod on TikTok. Subscribe on YouTube as well since you're doing all that and wherever you get your podcasts too. And you can also listen to us on the Realm app as well. And I don't want you to forget in all this that you never have to apologize for being a nerd. So let your fan flag fly and be good to your fellow nerds. Anna Sheridan, New York Times bestselling author of Supernatural Horror, missing for nearly six months now. That's not possible. Is the compass broken? Or did I turn to the Given the circumstances of her disappearance, someone with a more vivid imagination might decide she'd pierce the veil, so to speak. Weak radio signal. 700 meters. Closing fast. There's no place for ghost stories and close encounters in this investigation, or any other. I need you to find me. What else would it be? The Shared Tapes, a serialized horror mystery podcast. Stream the complete series today on Realm and on all podcasting platforms.